May the Lord give strength to his people and the blessing of peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. A few years ago, when I was walking around the Los Angeles County Museum of Art, I stumbled upon a painting by Julius Stewart from 1880s Philadelphia Society called The Baptism. In the painting, you find a large salon filled with all sorts of beautiful furniture. It must have been a grandiose estate. And everyone who is in the painting is dressed to the nines. And there's, there's got to be at least 20 people in the picture gathered to witness an infant baptism taking place in a private home. It's a lavish affair. The painting is so realistic, it looks almost like a photograph. But what becomes obvious almost immediately is that there is no energy in the room. No one is paying any attention at all to the ceremony taking place. Not even the priest. Everyone looks so distracted. They're like gazing off into the distance with these like blank looks on their face. Or they're, it looks like they're daydreaming or something. And there's even in the painting two guys in the first in the corner like it catches your eye right away having a very lively conversation. In the painting, the baptism, the subjects are thinking about everything else except baptism. Do we do the same thing? Seriously, when we hear about a baptism, do we simply recognize it as, a, okay, I'm thinking about it, but it's a fleeting thought? Or do we, we, as something that we think about it as maybe, oh, it happened a long time ago? Or you hear about a baptism, you think, oh, that's really sweet, but you don't really think about it outside of that. I wonder. You know, today's gospel has Jesus going down to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John doesn't get it. Why on earth do you need me to baptize you, he asks. And Jesus persists. He said, oh, it needs to happen. It, and it, it needs to, to fulfill all righteousness. So the baptism takes place. When suddenly the heavens part and the Spirit of God breaks through, and it lands on Jesus like a dove with a voice, This is my Son, my Beloved, in whom I am well pleased. Now, if we had witnessed such an occurrence at a baptism that we've been at, would we have the same reaction as the people in the painting, ignoring it? Or is the baptism that maybe we've celebrated before at church where sometimes people might be looking at their watch and going, is it ready to, to be done yet? Sometimes the church has comfortably ignored the significance of baptism. We've sucked the power out of it. The church. Now, I don't blame any of you. I actually blame myself I blame the leaders of the church because if we had guided our churches in a different way how to live into what our prayer book's design of the sacrament of baptism is, our entire world would start to look a whole lot different than it does. Yes, it would. Baptisms would be celebrated and remembered 
And the takeaways, the gifts that we receive from our own baptisms would be nurtured and developed every time we gather as the family of God. Every time you and I gather as the family of God in the name of Jesus, we would have our souls nurtured and developed because our baptism calls us to do this work. Read a book about a year ago about an author by the name of Mary Ann Mix. And she was a Christian ed professor in the early 1980s. And Mary Ann Mix calls baptism the ordination of the laity. Baptism is your ordination, yours. It sets you within the entire body of the faithful. It sets you in the midst of the family of God and it brings you into this holy fellowship of all at the Eucharist gathered around God's holy table. Your baptism creates an inseparable bond between you and Christ. That is, an inseparable bond between you and God Almighty because of baptism You and the divine can never be divided. I really want to stress the importance of this. Because God has chosen you and named you beloved, and because you or your parents or someone you love brought you to be baptized at some point, you have received a portion of the gift of the holy Just like that presence called out from heaven, this is my son, the beloved. You have that light. You have that powerful presence of the Holy Spirit right upon you, right now. It has been placed there by God, and it's not going away. The Greek word that we use in Scripture for this kind of power, and we talk about it, we heard it in the um, book of Acts, the second reading we had today, when it talked about the Holy Spirit and baptizing with Holy Spirit and with power. The word used for power in that Scripture is the word dunamis. It's where we get the word dynamite. You have a power in you that's like dynamite, to be God's agent in the world around you. So that it's not about, it's not about feelings, like that, oh, we feel like we need to love other people. It's not this inclination to love. It's a powerful presence of love that will do things like move mountains or restore entire communities or usher in a new reign of God's peace upon earth. Dunamis, great power. So what do you do about it? What do we do about it? You know, it's so easy to cast off this gift, to just shed any sense of responsibility. I mean, even think about it. When we sprinkle water on a child at baptism, we wipe the water off so quickly after the water is even sprinkled. Even though the truth that we are recognizing in that moment is that Christ's very presence is closer to you right now than the air that you breathe. But we still forget. So how can we not forget? Well, we start today after the sermon by renewing our baptismal vows. 
Now, when we do this, listen to what we are promising. Listen to how the words and actions are calling you into greater community, into greater life with God. But also listen how this work, because there's a lot of work that we commit to in the baptismal vows, this work that we are all given to do, it can't be done alone. We can't do any of this work by ourselves. We need Christ and we need one another. Even Jesus modeled this. Jesus models this even in his own baptism when he asks John to baptize him. And because John did so, we hear in the story, the heavens parted and the Spirit of God was made known to everyone who witnessed. They both, Jesus and John, together invited the presence of God to be with them. In Hebrew, the Shekinah of God. They gathered and God's full presence was manifest. The Shekinah of God was made known and rested upon Jesus for all the world to see. We've had the Spirit of God, that full presence of God made known to us as well. When we've gathered and prayed for people's healing And we know that they found it because they come back later and say, I'm a lot better. Or when we set our minds to do things like alleviate the suffering of children, we've seen our work bear great fruit. We've been determined to regularly help feed the homeless in our area. And our teams that do this work need your support and they need your participation as well. Because the work of the baptismal life summons the Shekinah of God continuously through prayer and fellowship and service. The work of living into the gifts that we're fully given at our baptism. That work at our baptism, whenever our baptism was, wherever our baptism was. The gifts that we're given call us to prayer, fellowship, and service. Kind of like our cathedral's mission welcoming all to be transformed in Christ through worship, fellowship, and service. But we have to go further beyond just the activities that Trinity Cathedral itself coordinates for us. Remembering our baptism is a missional act. It's a lifelong change. It's something that sends us Forth to love and serve the Lord in all things that we do, in the people we meet, in the places we work, and in the daily struggles that we all face with other people, or with institutions, or with employers, or with the government, or with some aspect of the world. But we have two things on our side the dunamis, the power to love. And the Shekinah of God to show up when we need God the most. Our baptism calls us to be this healing balm. This healing balm, that force for healing that seeps into the cracks of those fragile and ailing parts of our world. That soothing salve that cools away the conflict and restores all to their fullest dignity, that healing presence of God to others, that we may boldly know that we are bringing our best selves, 
our baptized selves into the challenge of injecting new and beloved light and love upon every place that we go. We have this power. We have this power. We have been chosen by God as God's very own. And so we act on behalf of God's love when we put our best baptized selves out into a hurting world that needs us now more than ever before. Jesus' baptism serves as an example for us. After he was baptized, he began his public life of ministry, of teaching, of preaching, and of healing. An example that has made him and his saving work the devotion of millions of followers who call themselves Christians and the admiration of practically the entire human race. But his work started when it became very apparent to Jesus and to the witnesses who were gathered, when God's full presence, God's Shekinah, showed up when Jesus was marked as God's own, God's beloved, the one in whom God is well pleased. We are also God's beloved. We are also the ones in whom God is well pleased. Through your baptism, Christ is closer to you than the air you breathe. Closer than the light that you see. Closer than everything you can touch, smell, and taste. Closer. And there's even more. We've got a force of powerful love behind us that's even more powerful than we can imagine. More powerful than dynamite. So when we take on our renewed baptismal vows today, how will you commit to making 2017 the year you take seriously the call to a life that is lived out of your baptism? And how will your baptism summon others to be in community with you to invite the Shekinah of God, the holy presence of God, to invite the Shekinah of God to walk with you as you go into a world that longs to know the love that you know. Jesus, your church, and your community need you.